Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, when we started this project, we were not sure how hard it would be to edit, record everything, and then eventually distribute. But then luckily, someone told us about Anchor. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. Secondly, they have creation tools that will allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or your computer. They distribute your podcast for you. And the best thing is you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Unprotected Sets captures the energy of a live comedy show and brings it directly to your ears. Part stand-up, part interview. You'll get an inside scoop into the tragically funny lives and minds of rising star comics. Real, raw, and funny. It's Unprotected Sets. She's all the way from Jackson, Mississippi. Y'all please give it up and show your love for my friend, Miss Rita Brent. How we feeling? Yeah, this is the sexy part of the show, okay? Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. My name is Rita Brent. Now, let's get this out the way. Uh, I feel it in my spirit. Somebody gonna cough tonight, and uh, it's gonna scare the shit out of everybody. So let's just, let's just figure out a little tip, you know? If you do have to cough, you know, you feel a little tickle, don't fight it, don't fight it. See, what you do is you explain the cough while you're coughing, you know, so you, <laughs> allergies, like as long as you say it, you know, <laughs> water in my pipe, you know, wrong pipe, as long as you say it. My upbringing started in Crystal Springs, Mississippi, which is a very small town. So I grew up in a house with my mother, my grandmother, and my big mama. I got to see that firsthand. Like, you know, just because you're a woman, you don't have to be confined to the house, you can do both. You can cook, you can get out and work and do everything. My mom is a, a Baptist singer and a Baptist minister. And I just remember being in church every freaking day. And one day, she just decided to put me on the drums. You know, she just said, hey, I feel like I have the musical gene, so you must have it too. And I was eight years old when she put me on the drum set. And little did she know, you know, me being a drummer would really open up some doors for me as an entertainer. So we have been a musical duo for uh, over 20 something years now. You know, America is, we're on edge. We're going to be on edge for a minute. We're always on edge about something, right? Vaccinate, don't vaccinate, huh? Send the kids back to school. Listen, I was a substitute teacher, so, like, I'm speaking from experience. Uh, I don't know if you know, but kids, uh, they're already nasty. Like, they just nasty. <laughs> They've been nasty. They're going to be nasty, you know? They are built for times like this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they be eating boogers off the floor and shit and eating food off the floor and playing with snot, you know? <laughs> and kids, kids have like a nasty bond with each other, you know? When I was substitute teacher, I was on the playground and I saw a little boy give his friend a sneeze as a gift. <laughs> he was like, how'd you be my friend forever? I was like, this some nasty shit, bro. <laughs> Take your ass to the principal, though. <laughs> kids ain't the only ones with bad hygiene, you know? Adults have bad hygiene, too. 
you know. I have my quirks when it comes to hygiene, you know. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of in between on the washing the hands thing. I, I'll be honest with you, you know. Now, I mean, when I'm in public and I use a bathroom, I wash my hands, okay. It's a no-brainer. I'm going to wash them every time. But when I'm at home, you know, I'm a little more relaxed. I don't know if it's just me, but... <laughs> and by a little more relaxed, I mean I'm a little more nasty at home. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just a little more nasty, because... If, if I get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom at home, you know, you know, let's say I wipe myself and I get a little pee on my hand, uh, I'm gonna rub it on my shirt and go back to bed. Like, I mean... <laughs> I mean... It's just pee, it'll dry up, right, you know? It'll dry up, you know? Men do it all the time. They just shake it out, they don't watch nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm not thinking about being clean. I'm trying to go back to sleep, you know? I ain't thinking about washing my hands to no damn birthday song, because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to wash your hands to the birthday song. But they never specify which one, the white one or the black one. <laughs> the white birthday song, that shit quick, in and out, just like white church, you know? <laughs> but the black birthday song, that shit is long. It's about four or five verses, a bridge, two scriptures, somebody got to come in and rap. <laughs> I really did try to make myself the man of the house, you know? I remember one time I was in the fourth grade and I was about to buy a gun. There was like a little gangster dude on the playground. He brought the little gun out on the playground. It was a little pistol. And I wanted to buy it because I wanted to protect the, the house. But I, when I held it, I got scared. And I was like, no, I'm good. You know, and, and of course, I can't be a man. But I, I still feel that responsibility to, in, in a sense, you know, that I want to protect my mom and my little sister and my grandmother, you know, and I'm cool with that. I served in the Army. I'm a, I'm a veteran of the United States Army. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, just letting y'all know up top, you know, so if you don't laugh at my shit, you unpatriotic. <laughs> you gotta laugh at my stuff. But I mean, as a veteran, I get, I get all the respect. You know, I served nine years and I get the respect. People say, you know, thank you for sacrificing your life for the country. That's what everybody say, you know. Now, uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but just because you in the army, that, that don't mean you sacrifice your life for the country. Cause I'll be honest, I was in the army band. I didn't sacrifice shit, okay? <laughs> I barely sacrificed my time, you know? <laughs> I was what they call a weekend warrior. Uh, so I went to drill once a month, played a few sad military songs and took my ass home, you know? <laughs> now, uh, I did wear my uniform like during the week just to eat for free, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but, I'm a veteran on paper, but I was not a real soldier. Like, I'm not gonna lie to y'all, you know? Real soldiers went to war. I went to band practice. <laughs> Shit. Real soldiers had guns. I had drumsticks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> a couple folks that I knew from church said, hey, you know they have an army band. You know, you just have to audition, play some prepared pieces and some rudiments to get in. And so I did at 18 did well enough to get chosen. But yeah, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about the Army uh, before I got in. I went to basic training for three months in uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and it was crazy. I, I really wanted to come home. Like, it was scary. The, the drill sergeants, you know, they call your names, they get all in your face. It's literally like it is on TV, you know? 
And so at first, I was like, I've made a big mistake. And by the last month, we were shooting guns. It was cool. You know, using the bathroom in the woods. It was like, you know, it's kind of lit. I was acting so straight at basic training because it was don't ask, don't tell back then. If you had even said, just said the word gay, they would kick you out. And so it was tough because several women were trying to come on to me. And I was like, mm-mm, I don't swing that way. I was lying my ass off. And I was like, I'm not finna get out, kicked out of basic training, you know? Now you can holler me out of basic training, but no, the don't ask, don't tell was real. So I didn't say anything about my sexuality the entire time I was in the military. I just had to act straight. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and Western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find the ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey y'all, it's Femme. It's Jaden. It's Carly Hansen. It's Oliver Tree. What's going on? It's Ian Dior, and we all know Valentine's Day is the most romantic time of the year. Whatever. My friends and I are about to turn the whole holiday upside down in our new scripted holiday series, Valentine's Day in Hell. First we spent Halloween in Hell. Now you're invited to be a part of the next musical podcast from our In Hell series. This time around, the devil is playing games with all of our hearts trying to ruin our Valentine's Day plans by dragging us down to the depths of hell. In each episode, you're going to hear new original music from artists like Ian Dior, Jaden, Carly Hansen, and me, Pat. Tune in to the Valentine's Day in Hell comedy horror musical podcast. Subscribe for full episodes, bonus material, and original music. This February, check out Valentine's Day in Hell. Brought to you by Audio Up and Podcast One. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi. That's my, my hometown. That's where I was born and raised, but... I live in New York now. I uh, moved away uh, from home for the first time. Basically what the experience has taught me is that I should have stayed my broke ass in Mississippi because <laughs> the cost of living in New York, it just, it don't sit right with my spirit, you know? It's a, it's a very pissy city, you know, for as much as we pay, I shouldn't have to smell piss, you know? But that's, that's the fragrance of the city, you know? You know, in New York, Listen, now, I don't know how common this is in California, but New York, I paid $2,100 for a 700-square-foot apartment, okay? Now, that's some bullshit. I mean, it didn't come with no furniture, it wasn't no, no, no Bibles in the drawers, and none of that shit, right? <laughs> and I'm just, I'm still in shock about it, you know, because in Mississippi, for $2,100, y'all, I can get five acres of mule and two slaves if I wanted to, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh, y'all laughing at slave jokes? That's what y'all doing? That's what y'all doing? <laughs> you know, now I bring up the word slave, but I'm, I'm really trying to change that narrative that people have about us in Mississippi. Because every time I say from Mississippi, people hit me with the same thing. Y'all dumb. Y'all slow. Y'all slaves in the South. And, you know, it just hurts my feelings. And, and it's not true, you know? Because honestly, we're talking about being dumb. Like, I don't care where you live. Everybody has dumb friends, right? <laughs> you know? Hopefully y'all not here with that person tonight. <laughs> uh, it's gonna get awkward in a minute. Because uh, <laughs> a few years ago, this is a true story, one of my dumb friends called me in the middle of the night and I knew something was wrong. 
And I said, girl, what's up? You know, what's going on? And she said, look, I got to tell you, our friend was in a bad car accident. I was like, oh, my God, what happened? And she said, well, all I know is that he was ejaculated from the car. <laughs> now, being a good friend I am, I didn't correct her, you know? So I was like, well, uh, well, tell me this, sis. How fast was he coming? You know, how fast? <laughs> She was like, I don't know, he, he had to be coming fast, you know, to get ejaculated from the car. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, did he at least have a seatbelt on? She was like, no, he wasn't wearing protection either. I said, damn. <laughs> you know, Mississippi took down the Confederate flag, and I was, I was proud about that. Yeah. And so now, it's a lot of companies now, like, trying to do the right thing. You know, NASCAR, Walmart, they took down the Confederate flag. And the NFL, you know, they didn't, they were just like, well, we just gonna play, lift every voice and sing before a few games, you know. And uh, I don't know if y'all know, but that's like the Black National Anthem. And, like, part of me was like, uh, I want them to leave that song alone, because it's our sacred song. It's right up there with Before I Let Go, uh, the wobble for y'all, it'll be like... <laughs> Some of y'all to be like, don't stop believing by journey. Like, that's where, that's where it is, you know? I felt the way about the NFL saying they were going to play it, but at the same time, I was like, this song really did change the game, you know? Like, what if the NFL is right? Like, what if lift every voice and sing is racism's kryptonite, and we just don't know it, you know? I mean, I say we weaponized the song. Okay, and to kill racism on site, we just use a little civil rights gun. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna try this shit. Like next time I'm at a protest, and I'll say Black Lives Matter. Somebody say, but what about Black on Black? Hey, lift every voice and sing <laughs> till earth and heaven ring. But all lives ring with the harmony <laughs> of liberty. <laughs> Or when uh, Karen see us having fun and call 911, hey, bitch, let our rejoicing rise. <laughs> High as the listening sky. Y'all know it. Let it resound. Hell no, y'all need some practice. Y'all know it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to use the song. You know, it could be racism kryptonite, you know. But this is what I really wish the NFL would do. I really wish they would just apologize to Kaepernick, you know. That's what I really wish. That would be the right thing to do, you know? And I don't care what people say about Kaepernick. I do not care, he is my hero. I appreciate what he did. You know, I remember when I saw him boycotting on TV and taking a knee, it really inspired me, you know? Cause he was just like, look, I'm gonna do what's right for me. And seriously, life is too short, you know, to, to live life in fear. And I, I decided on September 28, 2019, that I would no longer live in fear either and I came out the closet in my home state in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. I came out the closet. Now I don't know what to wear, but I'm out. That's corny. Okay, y'all like it. Yeah, I came out the closet and I mean, it was a big deal. Like everything happened so fast. You know, I was doing the show and you know, I was like, oh, by the way, I'm gay. And then I was so scared of the backlash. Like I moved real fast, you know. <laughs> I immediately moved to New York, you know, so I migrated north like a slave. <laughs> 
And I, I, now I feel like a runaway gay, you know, because I, I done left. I'm looking over my shoulder and shit like the straight community gonna get me. <laughs> Take me back to the penis plantation. You know, I'm scared. I'm scared, shit. I came out to my mom in the 10th grade. I couldn't hide because I was dressing like a boy. I mean, so it was pretty understood. You know, back then they called it a stud. You know, Rita's a, a stud. So yeah, it was understood. And one day I held hands with the girl in the hallway and it was like, everybody was just looking like, oh shit, I can't believe they're doing it. But I lost a couple friends. A couple friends didn't want to be associated with me because they didn't want to be uh, labeled as gay, you know? But it helped me weed out some people. I'm like, okay. I think when I went around with friends, parents, I tried to dress girly, you know? Because I didn't, I didn't want to deal with the stuff that comes along with parents, where they, they don't treat you like a child. They judge you and, and say, hey, you're a bad influence on my child, you know? So I, I, I just tried to respect my elders and, and dress girly. But yeah, uh, I wasn't sleeping over to study, so. But yeah, it was a big deal when I came out of Mississippi. Like, it was like, she the one, she did it, you know? And then I get to New York, still thinking I'm special. And I get there, and everybody's gay. I was like, yeah, damn. <laughs> what kind of shit is this? This is like a prerequisite to live in the city? Like, everybody gotta be gay? <laughs> but I, I feel like I'm behind, you know, because they're advocates in New York, and they had it coming out stories together, and I'm still getting mine together, you know? But you ask some of the New Yorkers about their coming out story, it's like Martin Luther King deep, you know? <laughs> He was like, hey, how you, how you find out you was gay? I knew in my mother's womb I was gonna be gay. <laughs> I knew someday I would be hunching and carpet munching in the name of the rainbow. <laughs> now I'm gay at last, gay at last. Thank God almighty, I'm gay. <laughs> it wasn't that deep for me. Like, that ain't my story. Like, it's real weak, you know? Like, all I know is that I started playing basketball in the eighth grade on a Monday. And by Friday, I was gay. Like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, no, but lesbians and basketball, you know, kind of go hand in hand. Like, you know, Trump and Putin, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what it is. One day you dribbling a little bit, the next day you nibbling on the tit. It, it, it happened real fast. Like, I'm not even thinking that hard. Like, I'm just, I'm just grateful that, you know, I came out and my family supports me, you know? So if you know somebody who is coming out or they have come out, like, just be nice and show them unconditional love. Like, that's all that matters, you know? <laughs> you know, because I, I told my mom, you know, like, in the 10th grade, I told her, and, uh, you know, she's a minister. She's a minister and a Baptist musician. So, of course, she had her convictions. But she's like, you're my baby. I'm going to love you regardless. And I, I still remember, I was in 10th grade when I told her. We had just pulled up at church. And I was like, hey, before we go in here, I just want to let you know, you know, that I'm gay. And her thing is she don't like labels, you know. Because when I said I'm gay, she's like, gay? Why you got to be gay? Why you just can't prefer women, you know? And she's like, well, what are you? Are you butch gay or you Wanda Sykes gay? Like, what kind of gay are you? <laughs> She's like, you could be gay, but don't be gay gay. I'm like, all right, all right, we can't have this conversation right now. You know, but my mother's biggest thing, like her biggest thing, is she does not want me to tell my grandma, you know. She's afraid. She sat me down and she's like, Rita, whatever you do, don't tell your grandma because you know your grandmother has high blood pressure, you know. <laughs> and you know, black people use blood pressure as an excuse for every damn thing, you know. 
<laughs> they ain't gonna be able to pay this light bill today. My blood pressure up there. They ain't got shit to do with shit. <laughs> but I, I disagree with her on this, you know, because my grandma is like a gangster, you know what I'm saying? She is, she a gangster. Like, she picked cotton as a child. She survived segregation. She eat pork, beef, and chitlins. If she can handle all that, I know she can handle the fact that I eat a little cat, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> My granny some credit. But I, I feel like my grandma knows because when she asks about my lady, she calls her my little friend. You know, Rita, how your little friend doing? That's cold language. That's old people cold language. If your granny going to see her little friend, she ain't going to read the Bible. She going to get some pipe. I'm just going to let you know. I know what the hell little friend means. But I feel like she knows, like grandmothers, they have instincts, you know? So I feel like the day I finally come out and say, you know, Granny, I'm gay, she'll be like, oh, I already knew my grandbaby was a bull dagger, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell the way you used to breastfeed you. <laughs> hey, this is Adam Carolla. Let me tell you about my podcast. We do it uh, every single day, so you can subscribe, and there'll always be a fresh one waiting for you. It's about two hours of uh, topics topical topics and news and guests and uh, comedians and of course my own vitriolic take on uh, just about everything that's going on in the world plus um we get a lot of really interesting uh, notable people who come in we'll get politicians we'll get the tastemakers we'll get stand-ups we'll get uh, authors we'll get uh pundits we'll get uh what i say well i think about covers all celebrities as well and uh, we'll do some really interesting interviews with them. You can get The Adam Carolla Show wherever you download your podcast. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of The Ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I had always felt this internal pressure that I needed to find a man so I could be saved and not go to hell. Yeah, that's it, salvation, I don't wanna go to hell. You know, even though being with woman is natural for me, you know, uh, but Christian faith says, hey, it's an abomination and you're gonna go to hell. And so, yeah, I dealt with some gender identity issues for a long time. And then I realized, you know, it's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside. You know, once I started looking from the outside in, then that really, really helped me. It, it, was, a, it was an emotional breakthrough for me. But I, I'm really enjoying being with a woman. Like, I love this shit. It's lit. It's lit, man. Because a good woman to teach you stuff you didn't even know you needed to know, you know? Like, we were in the apartment chilling, and my lady took a shower, and she got out the shower and dried herself off and cocked her leg up on the bed and proceeded to lotion her ass. And I just didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could put lotion <laughs> on your ass. Because usually the bottle say you put it on the, on the face, the foot, you know? 
I ain't never seen no cream for ass cheeks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, this shit is amazing. I'm following her lead, you know? So I'm putting lotion on my ass now, guys. And it feels great. Like, it feels better in my pants. It's smooth, you know? It ain't making a lot of noise no more. Like, it's lit. I'm gonna do whatever she do. She lotion her ass, I'm gonna lotion mine. She lotion her tits, I'm gonna lotion my sternum, my collarbone. My <laughs> My titty game ain't that strong, don't judge me. <laughs> yeah, I do, let me say this, I do worry a little bit, I'll just be a little vulnerable with y'all, because I'm a small woman, you know, so I am afraid that I won't be able to protect my lady, you know? Because I just be thinking, like, what if something bad happened one day? What am I gonna do? What, what am I gonna say? Like, at this point, the only thing I can do is just lower my voice, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's all I can do is lower my voice, try to get serious, you know? Cause we had a situation in New Orleans once. We had a situation. Uh, we were sitting at a table and this guy didn't realize we were a couple. So he came up to her and he was like, hey baby, what's your name? And I said, she good, bruh. And he said, I wasn't talking to you. I said, but I was talking to you. And he was like, what you want to do? I was like, what you want, what you want to do? Ch -ch Lift every voice and sing. <laughs> Till I can live <laughs> He just backed off. I was like, this damn song work. I knew it. <laughs> and my lady was all excited. She was like, ooh, my baby arm is strong. I said, hold on now. I was in the band. I didn't say my shit. <laughs> Don't never forget. Yeah, never forget. I was in the band. I didn't, I didn't go to war. I went to band practice, okay? But a lot happens at band practice. A lot happened when I went to band practice. You know, uh, this is kind of a twist in the story, but I met my ex-husband at band practice when I was in the Army, yeah. I had a whole husband just seven years ago. And you're like, how? Okay, well, see, what had happened was... <laughs> <laughs> so, like, before we got married, you know, I had just kind of forgot to tell him that I like women. It just kind of <laughs> slipped my mind, you know? <laughs> you know how you go in a room, it's like, I was supposed to do something, and you, you, you forget what you went in there to do, you know? <laughs> and so I just forgot to tell him. And um, we had one little conversation, and I told him, I said, look, you know, I had experiences with women, but I, I just didn't tell them the experiences had been for my whole life, you know. <laughs> Actually, he was the experiment and he didn't know it. And um... I did go through a period of depression after I got divorced. Even though I felt free, I didn't feel free because I still wasn't out of the closet. You know, I was still posing as a straight woman. And so it got to the point where I got so down and I got in the darkness, I actually contemplated suicide, like, because I, I felt like I couldn't come out. I was doing comedy at the time, and I said, well, if I come out, it's gonna take all my gigs away. I'm not gonna be doing church gigs. You know, everybody's gonna turn their backs against me. And I just started questioning my existence. Like, do I really wanna be here under these circumstances if I can't be myself? And I remember I had a pistol on the side of the bed, and I was like, man, you know, I don't know if I wanna do this. And I just never got around to it. And finally, I told somebody, I said, I want to die. And when I said it, I was like, wait, no, I don't. You know, so it took me verbalizing it to realize it's not what I wanted to do. But it was a very dark time for me. And at that time, that's when my comedy shifted because I started talking about my divorce and vulnerabilities on stage. And it was, it was, it was life changing for me. Sometimes you have to do stuff to realize you don't like it. And that's how it was with, with me and the husband, uh, because I realized you know, that I don't like wee-wee in my mouth. It's just not my, it's not my, my ministry, you know, that's just, uh, I, it was hard to manage wee-wee. Uh, 
I'm gonna say wee wee just in case my grandma watching. I don't want her blood pressure to go up. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> it was hard, literally and figuratively. You know, trying to manage a wee wee. Uh, it, it changed my whole life. You know, like I stopped hanging out with my friends. My homegirl called me one day. Said, "You want to go to the movies?" I said, "No, I got to get some rest so I can suck this wee wee later. Like I ain't gonna be able to go. I gotta meditate." Like I don't know. I hated. Sucking the little thing so much. <laughs> like, if I had to choose between Trump winning a second term and sucking wee wee again, I'd like, let's make America great again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's how bad it was. <laughs> and then it's the texture. If you ever have the, the, the pleasure of analyzing the composition of a wee wee, it is very intriguing, yet disturbing. Okay? Because it's some little skin down there. I don't know what this little skin is, but it's back here somewhere. It's some little skin back there. It's real soft. Sir, you know what I'm talking about. It's real soft. <laughs> and flimsy, that little flimsy is soft. I call it the baked chicken skin. You know what I'm talking about? The baked chicken skin. It's stretchy. You spread it out look like a bat wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That skin, I couldn't do that shit. I, was, I don't want to be around that skin again, you know? <laughs> And then, you know, I was expected to perform on special occasions. You were supposed to do all this extra shit, you know. Like, if it's his birthday, you got to give a head head, you know. And I was like, bro, I can't, I can't do this. I didn't want to give head. I was dreading it. But I knew that I had to because it was his birthday, you know. And so I just went on down there. I sucked it up. Not then, but I sucked it up. <laughs> I went on down there, and I just took a deep breath. And I said, okay, here we go. Lift every voice and sing <laughs> till earth and heaven. I looked up and he was looking down like, uh-uh, bitch, not tonight. <laughs> okay, that's my time. I'll read a break. y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcast